The Mix Room with Genelec. Today we're welcoming composer Dan Potter, aka Dan Samza, onto the podcast to talk about his immersive 360 Degrees live show events. So, hello Dan, welcome along, how are you? Hi, thanks very much for having me. I'm good, thanks. You're very, a little very bit, welcome. Um, still in a sort of recovery mode from uh, being at We Out Here Festival on the weekend, but I feel great. Oh, and how was that? It was really good, yeah. It went... Um, went with my girlfriend and a few friends and yeah it was just nice to be at a festival for the whole weekend and just enjoy ourselves you know not have to worry about performing or anything like that so yeah, yeah it was really nice I'll good bet. music really good electronic music and uh really cool bands yeah excellent and what about the whole um being in a field I assume it was with hundreds and or well, possibly thousands of other people did you get used to it really quickly because I found that I've gone back to events and almost not giving it a second thought, which is mad considering what we've all been through. Well, um, I haven't actually been to a festival for a few years anyway. So kind of, and I think the last few times I did go to festivals, I was DJing. Um, So yeah, it was quite, it was quite strange in a way, but I've been to a few um, sort of events, club nights recently uh, before I went to this festival. So I kind of got back into the swing gradually of uh you know being in in small rooms small packed out rooms with mm. people yeah it's been a, a strange strange time what's um what's it been like work-wise during the last year for you particularly during the proper lockdown sort of sessions that we had were you able to carry on working well i'm i'm kind of fortunate because i do a sort of mix of work um i teach music um i work on a few of my own sort of freelance projects um, and I, I managed to get luckily I was fortunate enough to get um, funding from the Arts Council for for the for the recent album I've been working on so although it was it started to get a little bit tight with with funds and stuff I was able to sustain myself over that period and also teach on zoom a handful of piano te- uh, piano uh, students on zoom so yeah I think it's it's useful being able to diversify what you're doing um and I that, I think that that helps um when things like this happen you know my girlfriend she's a free freelance viola player and just she just lost all of her work in a flash and you know was extremely worried and didn't know what to do um so yeah, it's it's lucky. I think it's a good place to be to sort of diversify and do lots of different things. And I think as a composer um, and producer in this day and age, I think that's what most of us have to do to survive and stay sane, actually. Mm, absolutely. And that's, that's great to hear you were able to get a little bit of help because obviously it's been so difficult, particularly for the entertainment industry, as you very well know. So um, that's, that's good to hear yeah. that you've got a bit of assistance there. Um, so if we take it back a little bit then, so what was your route into composing? Uh, oh, I don't know. I, 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 my earliest memory of writing music was uh, at the piano when I was, a, when I was a kid, kind of, I, I started learning classical piano when I was about eight and I think I wrote a piece which sounded a little bit like Mozart or something you know it wasn't it was it lasted about 20 seconds certainly wasn't anywhere near the standard of Mozart but it was uh 
I think it was I think it was quite well written for the experience that I had had at the time. But um, my my mum used to sing to me and my brother when we were um, little kids. She used to sort of sing folk music and, and hippie 60s songs and stuff and uh, play the guitar to us and that instilled into certainly into me a sort of deep appreciation of, uh, for music and the direct intimacy of live performance so for me music kind of is, is never really been a career although it's becoming one now mm. I think um, but it's 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 never really felt like a career for me. It's always been more of a, uh, an, you know, it's f- something for an occasion or something to socialise around or, or you know, to be a part of a group of people doing things together. I see. And what do you mean by saying you know it's not maybe it wasn't meant to be a career, but it's becoming one? What did you do before this, or do you um, do a number of different projects? Well, I guess I've always been a musician, you know, teaching or promoting events, writing music, collaborating, being in bands, producing artists. Um, but I've never kind of felt like I've really been in sort of one kind of scene or specialism that you would usually associate um, musicians with. You know, most most musicians I know, they're they're a they're a cellist or, or they're a music producer or or um or whatever or they're a sound engineer but for me it's kind of the d- diversity in what i do has always been very important so it's i guess in that sense it's never kind of felt like one career to me it's always felt like just something which i do because i love you know i'm not saying that 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 people who just do one thing aren't doing it because they love it they Mm. probably are too but it's yeah it's just yeah it just hasn't felt like a kind of uh a kind of money orientated or career driven pursuit I see I see that's interesting I didn't think you were going to say that actually um (laughs) yeah it's always strange (laughs) well I don't know just people some people say they've had this really fixed plan and this is what I'm going to do these are the steps I'm going to do to get there so it's um quite different to hear from the other side of it so I was going to ask you did you have some kind of um breakthrough moment um you know in the world of composing but I'm I'm not sure um how you're going to answer that now then Dan so I'm interested to hear what you're going to say I guess the, the sort of Dan having you know Changing my artist name to Dan Samsa was the, was this kind of moment I had a few years ago, uh, two or three years ago, where I decided actually I'm going to bring all of these influences together now and and work under a new artist name that can sort of take me into the future, into into this kind of I guess more sort of singular career, but where I could bring in, as I said a minute ago, all of these different experiences um and be a bit more sort of adult and grown up about what I do I see and where did Samsa come from then Samsa it it comes from I think about uh, it it was around that time when I was deciding that I would I would kind of you know kick myself up the arse um that um I, I read a book I was given a book of Kafka's short stories and I just they just really resonated me with me because they're this I like I like art which kind of art and music which is quite simple in what it mm-hmm. does or what it says but 
kind of these stories are quite deep and dark um, and they sort of highlight the peculiar nature of reality and uh, I'm into that so I resonated with that but um, Gregor uh, Gregor Samsa is the is the main character in Kafka's Metamorphosis short story and uh, I just enjoyed the way he was a bit of a sort of observer as to what was happening around him within this story he was a bit of an outsider um, and um, so what happens is he kind of wakes up one day and turns into the, he, he's, he's been turned into some sort of bug, some sort of vermin. And the story is then kind of told within his head, um, where he reflects on his job, uh, job as a salesman, uh, supporting his family. And because of his new condition, his family is sort of freaking out around him, um, working out what they're going to do and eventually they all kind of get jobs and sort themselves out and and he's just sort of forgotten about um yeah and i just i yeah, just really love the story and i thought it was a cool name okay interesting yeah okay so you didn't want to go with any other uh famous uh, literary characters that share the name potter then you didn't want to take inspiration from there <laughs> <laughs> certainly not no. went in a different direction fair enough <laughs> so um <laughs> let's talk about this um immersive 360 live show then so where did this idea stem from can you tell the listeners a bit more about it so the 360 show originally i kind of I became briefly obsessed with um, VR when a couple of my mates bought sort of new VR headsets oh, yeah. when it first started becoming popular about four or five years ago, maybe. Mm-hmm. And um, I just finished uh, an, an album under the name Warsnare, which I've written most of my electronic music under, and it's called Warkestra. So I just thought, let's... We, we we need a way to present this album to get people to listen to it, you know, but I wanted to create an interesting event around this album as well to present the out, pre- present the music. Um, and I also, I also know someone called Tom Slater who runs a 360 um, ambisonic studio, which is just at the end of my road. Right. Well, it used to be just off my road off Deptford high street. Um, but he's recently moved to Somerset house. Um, but he, so I sort of spoke to him and thought maybe we could be, you know, inspired by sort of VR and, um, 360 sound. Um, I thought let's chat to him and see if we can perform this album with some sort of, uh, 360 surround sound system. Um, and so we did that and we did it in the Albany theater, which is right near my house, right near his studio, uh, we both worked there before and it's a round theatre. So it was ideal. Also, it's the right, it was the right sort of size, you know, sort of two to three hundred, two and f- between two and four hundred capacity. You know, if we invited all our mates down and family members and uh, we could actually pack this place out. So, uh, so we did that. And um, yeah, it just, just went from there. So after that, I realized that actually you, I could, I could write music, which was, intended to be for this format but they could also work um as sort of normal stereo and normal traditional sort of stage show music as well so that was my kind of aim after that was to to then focus on music that could work in different formats and different settings 
I see. And um, so how does your debut album Contours sort of fit in with this whole concept and um, what makes it such a good fit for this immersive show? Well, so what just sort of building on what on what I was just saying there, it's uh, I decided um, and a kind of and I guess a, a good way to do this would would be to use a 360 microphone to create some of the material because then it's already spatialized in 360 format. Mm-hmm. But I also thought it would be an interesting way to sort of capture environments and spaces and sort of build those kind of environments and, and textures into the music. Um, so, yeah, so it started off, the process started off with me re- taking the microphone into incredible spaces in London, like Southwark Cathedral and the Greenwich foot, foot Tunnel, visually incredible, but obviously acoustically interesting for, for, for this project. And, uh, taking uh singers and instrumentalists into these spaces and recording them and then editing that material so i I actually got them to move around the spaces and record the same kind of musical um idea or fragment um in various spaces around the space and um and then edit that to make 3d 360 sound textures environmental textures and then and then taking those textures and composing uh, music to sort of hang off those textures and sort of fit underneath or merge with those textures um, for the instruments, for six brass players, myself on the piano, um, and then working closely with um, two vocalists, Rosie Strobel and uh, Zosia Jagodzinska. Um, and that's kind of, that was kind of the whole process of the album, really. Wow, okay. And then combining this whole 360 thing certainly sounds very different. Yeah. So what were the challenges here? How sorry, you- sorry, yeah. So then so then being able to sort of take those 360 um, atmospheres and, re- and perform that on a 360 sound system and position the instruments in different spaces um, throughout the performance space as well. Oh, okay. So you're saying, did you make the album with this sort of idea in mind or did it just lend itself particularly well to it? Well, yeah, I mean, that was the whole process. The whole process was was designed to sort of, in one sense, to use new technologies to help kind of create and determine new musical structures, but also um, also so that I could perform it um, in this format, you know, and make it interesting with these 360 atmospheres, immersing the audience into these, these 360 atmospheres at the same time. So yeah, it was all about kind of building an experience within the music ground up that people could, that people could um, experience an immersive experience. Okay, I see. And for someone, just the average person, I would say, listening at home, how should they listen to this music? Or would you just recommend, you know, a really nice pair of headphones or something? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, I mean, you'll be able to listen to it on Spotify when it comes out. Um, So, you know, just put your headphones on or stick it on your sound system Mm -hmm. and and enjoy it while you're drinking a a glass of wine in the evening or something. Why Um, not? 
but we are also creating an online 360 immersive version of the album. So you'll be able to put your headphones in and, and kind of look and look at the visuals on your phone and move the visuals around. And actually the, the sound itself will kind of rotate and move around as well. Um, and, and then obviously come to the live show. So the live shows are going to be a mix of traditional sort of stage shows, but also um 360 immersive shows so we've got this one at the albany um spectrum where it's going to have where we're going to have um the subs of a dub sound system called solution sound system who regularly kind of play at the carnival and, and things like that um and then we've got uh we, we, this time we're not using genlex actually because we wanted it to be a bit more of a sort of gig club experience and we, we needed a bit more clout so we've gone with sort of six, uh, eight monitors surrounding the audience, which will be kind of 3D uh, ambisonic surround sound material. Um, and then you'll be also surrounded by six brass players. Um, and then myself and, this, and the vocalists on a central platform. Um, so you'll be able to experience it like that. That's on the 11th of September at the Albany. Um, but also then the actual launch show uh, at Lexington in October will be will be just a sort of traditional stage show with us all standing, you know, on the stage playing out of the sound system. But we're also going to have this extra element of a sort of quad uh, four channel surround sound system around the audience, which will just be playing the um, the three hundred and sixty atmospheric uh, material that I was talking about earlier that was recorded in um, various places like Southwark Cathedral. Mm, okay gotcha and um so how did you get the london contemporary orchestra involved in this so the london contemporary orchestra are not actually performing my album they're going to be performing uh, another project uh, oh, which see. is okay. it's, which is called depth 360 but it's at the same event so i've, I've collaborated with, with my girlfriend alison d'souza on um another project because we both live in deptford and I was sort of getting heavily into the idea of of using not just using a 360 microphone, but also combining that with a 360 uh, video camera. Uh, we decided that we would record and film uh, musicians and dancers in various locations in Deptford, and kind of build th- build the music and ideas on themes inspired by the history um, and the community of Deptford. So, um, and yeah, that was obviously inspired by using a video camera and kind of going onto these, into these locations. And uh, she plays with the London Contemporary Orchestra. So we decided to get them involved and, um, and they've been extremely supportive throughout the whole project. And uh, we've worked with quite a lot of their amazing musicians. So it's been really good. So they're going to be, they, we, we've got a handful of their musicians coming down to perform that piece on the night as well. Um, but yeah, performing my album, I've got some amazing uh, jazz uh, brass players and the vocalists that I mentioned earlier as well. Okay, I see. And um, so how is Genlec factory into this? How are you using Genlec speakers for this immersive live content? The previous two performances that we've done at the Albany where we've done this sort of surround sound experience, uh, we've used uh, Genlec speakers. So we used we used eight um genelec 8050s for the last one and we combined and so they surrounded the audience 
Um, and then we combined that with the, um, the subs, 32 inch subs of the, um, of unit 137 sound system that time. It was incredible. It was, it was more of a kind of sound experience, you know, weekday sound experience, experimental sort of electronic music rather than it being a bit more gig and club orientated. So that really worked. And then the first show that we did, the Orchestra 360 one that I was talking about earlier, we actually had 29 Genelec speakers. It was, it was the eight 8050s again surrounding, you know, the, surrounding the audience in a ring. And then over the top of that, creating the dome, we had another uh, 20, I think that's 29 in total. So it was another 21 8030s. Wow kind of going over the top of the audience in a dome. So that was incredible because we could mix the music and think in a kind of vertical axis as well, instead of just it being kind of, you know, horizontal axes, stereo or, or surround sound, it was vertical. So we could kind of think I, I was having fun with putting things like high pitched voices or hi hats right up in the ceiling and messing around with that. It was really cool and effective, actually. But I also use Genelec in, in my own studio, in my own music room at home, so where I am now. Um, and I've had these Genelecs for a very long time, about 10 years now, I think, maybe more, maybe 15, oh, wow. I don't know, okay. 80s, 30s. I mean, they're made of metal, you know, they're like tanks, mini tanks. Yeah. And they're incredible. Oh, I thought I was going to ask, you must use them in what I would call a more regular sort of Genelec setting of a studio. I was going to ask if you just went full for it, you know, in this immersive setup. Um, I can see you've yeah. translated from the studio to this uh, uh, immersive and quite experimental sort of um, yeah. thing you've been doing. Well, so that's pretty cool. Well, they're obviously very popular for, for, for sort of music studios, but I, I, I see they seem to be very popular for anyone, anyone working in 360 ambisonic sound. Uh, they seem Genelec seem to be the go-to speakers because of their they're very precise and, and clear. I think I'm, I'm just used to them now as well, so yeah, I don't really want any other speakers. Yeah, this course. is this isn't me trying to advertise Genelec. This is me being a <laughs> uh, being a. Uh, truthful here <laughs> well no that's fine I mean you certainly must trust them if you've taken them from as you say a more regular studio setting to this yeah. um, immersive um, live show scenario you must have some kind of yeah. uh, you know confidence in the brand to know that um, you know it's going to sound all right or pretty good um, even, yeah, even better yeah. so yeah I, I work on I work on sort of sound installation stuff as well so uh, uh, they're quite good to take around and set up in random places. You know, they're not going to break if you drop them. Well, I, I try not to drop them, but they're, they, you know, as I said, they're made of metal. So you can quite confident, confidently transport them around in a bag and uh, not have to worry too much. Yeah, exactly. And then in terms of just setting up with the amount of speakers you said about, about the 360 event. So were there any, what was it like to even get that speaker placement um, arranged, organised. How did you plan where to do it? Were there any um, challenges with this to get it right? Well, for the first one where we had the sort of twenty-nine channel dome, it, it was we had to really sort of get the, the team from the theatre to help us um, suspend them from frames and brackets in, in the theatre. So that was quite a job. Actually, that took took some time. Um, but the other the other two events um i decided just to keep it simple so just having the eight eight channel surround sound 
and just sticking them on stands really you know it was uh, as simple as that the Albany's great for that because it as I said it's round but it also has this step that goes around the outside of the main kind of I guess it's a dance floor or or a performance space you know it's quite adaptable but it has this raised step that goes around the around the circle around the outside so you can just put the stands on there and it works really well Mm, okay and then what was the finished result like what was what were the reactions like Uh, were you pleasantly surprised uh it's really mixed i think you know everyone seemed to react positively but but everyone had kind of different very varied experience i think Mm. you know some people were talking about some people were interested in how the how the crowds themselves responded to it the way they moved around the space uh the way uh, they, you know, the directions that they were kind of drawn to. And then other people were talking about the sort of spatialization effects and, and, and I guess the confusion that it caused in some ways as well, because it's not, because people aren't used to going to a place where, where they don't just sort of stand in one place and look straight at the band or straight at the live act mm. or DJ or whatever. Um, I found that really interesting and, it, it 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 actually and i think one of the reasons we're using bigger speakers this time is because because the first time we did it was on a weekend and it was a bit more of a gig and because everyone is kind of facing in different directions and walking in different directions it encourages them to bump into people they know and start a conversation um so it so uh, yeah and it's it's that kind of etiquette isn't it you know if you bump into someone you know you're gonna say hello and then you're gonna ask them how they are so so it, this this time it was about kind of creating a sound system where it doesn't really matter if that happens. It's going to be loud enough to not disrupt the music or the performance in any way but without having to tell them to all shut up, you know. <laughs> of course. Oh, that certainly <laughs> sounds like a different event. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I'm glad that it had all kinds of different effects on people. That's yeah, great. Yeah. And then, so when you're in the studio then with um, your your normal Genelec setup, should I say, as opposed to this um, immersive one in this event that you used, um, what do you look for in a studio monitor? How Why are they important to you in your, I'd call it, day-to-day studio work? Uh not sure if I'm the right person to ask really I, I've <laughs> just had these Genelex for a long time and I'm used to them now uh, but they've they, I mean they are crystal clear speakers you know so you can you, you hear every little detail in them and for me because I don't like to get bogged down too much in the technicalities of mixing I kind of I, I prefer to to get an engineer involved to, to make sure I mean, a, a, a mix engineer spends their life learning how to make things really, you know, work for whatever setup, mm. you know, work whether people are listening to it in crappy headphones or on a Sonos system or on a on a on some high end monitors like Genelec or whatever. So I'd kind of like to leave that to them and uh, and work with them on that and you know benefit from from their wealth of knowledge rather than getting too bogged down in that myself mm. um but yeah i just i just love these speakers as i said they're they're clear and they're built like tanks and uh you know if, if I, I i as and i and i do transport them around sometimes and i don't and if i drop these or something drop them on something where i it, you know they've got a metal um uh grate in front of the actual um in front of the actual uh, driver, so 
nothing can really damage these speakers. Nobody dropped their journal X. That is the message. I mean, I've had them for, as I said, 12 years and they're, they're still working and that's, that's good for me. That's, that, that's good enough. That's good enough, Dan. And what about um, the rest of the year? What have you got coming up? Have you get, got any more plans for different shows or any other projects you might be working on? So I've got the release of the album coming up and uh, I thought we were going to do a video call. So I've got, it, I've got, the, I've got the vinyl in my hand here. It's got lovely uh, holographic um, artwork by uh, um, my friend Chidem Buru, who's an amazing designer. We work together on that. Um, so that's coming out. I think it, actually it's coming out officially in February on um, RNS RNS's uh, Apollo label. Okay. And uh, then we've got these two performances. So we've got the, the Spectrum event, which I was talking about, mm-hmm. and then we've got the album um kind of launch show which is in october which is at lexington um and i'm working on some sound installations for the grounds of a stately home where they're, where they're producing this opera um and that's called the vash uh, baroque uh, festival which is at the end of august and start of september and yeah just a few other bits and then i'm going to start a new album finally Oh, wow. So a few bits to be getting on with then, Dan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You'd be nice and busy then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really want to get started on a new album. It's when you finish when you finish a piece of work, you, you then get bogged down in all of the admin of how to release it and present it and perform it. And you just spend most of the day sending emails. Uh, so I just want to kind of get this out of the way now and and we'll be performing it next year of course we're going to do a tour but um but it'll be nice to have the headspace to to write something new and really sort of build um upon what i've learned from making this album writing an album is an incredible learning experience i think in in not just musically but in how you present it to the outside world and how you get it to the outside world Mm. It sounds like you've got loads and loads of ideas for it already then. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Not short of inspiration. Good, good. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll look forward to see what you come out with next then, Dan. Um, so thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, you're so pleasure. welcome. Thank you very much. And um, perhaps we'll see you in person one day. <laughs> yeah. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks, Dan. Bye. Headliner Radio. Supporting the creative community. 